Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Grab your Bibles, if you would. Turn with me. You can turn to um, Exodus 13. Then we're going to jump ahead to Exodus 23. Kind of following up a little bit of last week's message. You know, it's uh, (laughs) it's been a crazy year. We we know that. It's been a crazy year. And um, we're hoping that 21 is going to be better than 20. But yet I also believe that we're all going to see, or we have seen within it some blessing that has come. Um, But I've been pondering on these couple of scriptures I'm going to read this morning. And um, now he's mad and he took my timer away. (laughs) Okay, And I want to talk to you about this title. This This is the thought that kept going through my head. The way out is the way in. Or you could flip it and say the way in was the way out, all right? How many know that 99% of you today came through those doors? That to get into this room, you came in that door. And the way out is back through the way that you came in. And you will go back out to those doors in another hour or so. I love the nervous laughs in the room, you know? Just love it. So let me take you on a, on a little journey, because I really believe that God has taken us through this year, and that God will take us into the next year. And how many know that, how many of you believe, how many do you believe this? How many of you sincerely believe, and not just, don't, don't give me just Christianese, and it's a thing you do, and we're supposed to say yes, and we're supposed to, how many know we get stuck, stuck in that? But how many of you believe that God truly does have something he wants for you, How many of you believe that God wants to lead you? That that he just doesn't want to, he he just, how many of you he doesn't want you to just call him in and out of your life? But how many of you he truly wants to lead you? And how many believe that he wants to lead you so much that the scripture actually tells us that he put his spirit in us? And his spirit with inside of us isn't someone that we are to just call from time to time, but rather he is the abiding presence of God inside of the believer who shapes our thinking, directs our steps if we'll allow him. How many ever had divine interruptions that you didn't have planned for a day, right? Um, And so forth. And so, but yet the problem sometimes in our life is not that he's not leading, it's that we're not listening or we're not following. Okay, now, now, because sometimes what we do is we're like the, Egypt, like the Israelites. We call upon him to get us out of Egypt, but don't rely on him to get us into Canaan. Remember, it was that generation who followed him out of Egypt through the Red Sea that did not have enough faith to follow him into the promised land. And the way out is the way in. And sometimes in our life, we call on him to get us out of trouble. How many have ever called on God to get you out of trouble? Anybody here ever been in trouble? Right? And we call on him and say, get us out of this trouble. And he does. And he takes us through it. But all of a sudden, we kind of say, man, I am so glad you got me out of that mess. I'm on my, okay, I got this now. And I'll just kind of figure out my own path. I mean, that's really not what he wants. And so, so I'm going to take you on a journey a little bit. It'll probably take two or three hours, but it's a new year, so we'll do a new thing, right? And so let's begin with this verse. Now, when Pharaoh had let the people go, 
God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, okay? Even though it was nearer, the shorter route was to go through the land of the Philistines. But God said, I'm not going to lead them through that land because the people might change their minds when they see war and, when they, and they will return to Egypt. Isn't it amazing what we do in our life? When we, isn't it amazing? I want you to think about this. These people were leaving oppression, slavery, bondage, and captivity. But yet, God knew at the sight of war, they would go back to oppression, and they would go back to bondage, and they would go back to slavery. And I want to say to you that many times in my life as a pastor, I have counseled people that God has taken out of bondage and captivity, but when the battle got tough, they went back to bondage and captivity. Okay? And so God knows this about his people. He said, I'm not going to lead them the shorter route. I'm literally going to take them around the land of the Philistines. Therefore, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea, and the sons of Israel went up in battle formation from the land of Egypt. So, I got to thinking about this. I'm going to stop, give you a few points, but the main crux of the message is at the end, all right? But first of all, let us understand this principle in our life, as much as the Israelites. Remember this. When you are captives for hundreds of years in the land of Egypt, you don't know the way out of Egypt necessarily, and you certainly don't know the way through the wilderness, Okay? And so here they are, they're leaving, being led by God, and God says, no, no, I'm not going to take you through the Philistines because if you see that, you're going to be afraid and you're going to go back to captivity. See, but here's the thing. In our lives, we don't need to know the way. We need to follow the way. How many of you have ever not done anything in your life because you didn't know how to necessarily do it? Do you know how many things I have done in my life that people, that, that literally, I did not know how we were going to get to there? Okay, I'll tell this story. Back, uh, Randy, remember this? Back in 2018, that's when we built that building, right? 2018. Now, you, you heard this story before, but let me tell you again. So here we were, building that building. We had enough money from the old cell to get us started. We had to raise, in our minds, $60,000, $70,000. We took an offering. You gave $147,000. We were like, yeah, right? You were like, you want to play along? Oh, never mind. Okay, and so, so, and then what happened is we had a major delay. In that delay, the hurricanes hit. Uh, the price of materials went up almost 20%. And all these things. Long story short, Dick, Scolden, Randy, and myself sat down. This is the news they gave me. We were like $60,000 short of what we needed to build the building. And I'm like, what? How could that be? We had, okay. So, now, this is how pastors and churches, sometimes we go, We'll just go back and we'll tell the people and we'll receive another offering, get what we need. Blah, 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 blah. So I go home, I'm praying. Oh, Lord, Lord, I gotta go, Lord. And this, I'm telling you, I heard this, not audibly, but the Lord said, Don't you take an offering. Don't you take their victory. The $147,000 was a victory. It was huge. It was bigger than the roof offering from you, remember. And all of a sudden, the Lord is telling me, Don't you take an offering. Don't you take their victory. You trust me. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> I'm trying to finish a building here. You got, got to tell you, and I'm back, and I met with Randy and Dick right back there on a Sunday morning, and I said, we're not taking an offering. I said, we're going to trust God and see what happens. We didn't know how it was going. I didn't know how it was going. We finished the building and had money left over. Okay? Now, that's a testimony to who our God is, okay? 
And I can remember, I remember that somebody sold a business and brought us a tithe check. And like, yeah, baby, didn't know that was coming. You see, I did not know the way before we took the way. You see, sometimes what you're doing in your life is you're saying, God, I need to know the way before I'll follow you. No, 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 no. Follow him. He is the way. He is the way. He's not just shows you the way. He is the way. I can remember. Okay, I did, I did kind of pull, pull a few tricks during that saga. Like I was here in the office a lot of times on Fridays and nobody else was around because we don't have it open on Fridays. So I would go get the mail. And I would see some checks and I knew people were sending tithe checks in. So I would stick them in my drawer and hide them from Teresa. And so one day I said to her, I said, I need you to order me drywall. I need a couple hundred sheets of drywall. We don't have the money for it. I said, here, have, here's some checks, you jerk. That's what she said to your pastor. And then somebody else came to me and said, we have to give her some money because of this. The bottom line, what I'm trying to say to you, to give you an illustration is, sometimes you have to follow God even though you don't know the way. But you don't need to know the way. You just have to follow he who is the way. Israel did not need to know how to go. They just needed to know who to follow. And I want to say to you this morning, as you head into 2021, you don't have to have it mapped out, and you don't have to have every detail. And some of you want a detail. Like Ben, ben, ben is an accountant. Do you know what accountants do? They drive me nuts. <laughs> I love them. They're great. They do their thing. But, oh, my goodness, they want to dot this I and cross this one, and they want to do this number. Look, I just, I, I, we're just going to go. <laughs> but they're great to chart a course. But see, listen to me. I want to say this to you. Going into 2021, some of you struggle with this because of your nature, your personality, you're a planner, you need the details. I get it. But I want to say to you, as you go into this year, you don't know to, the need to know all the nuts, the bolts, the I's and the T's. You don't need to know it all. Follow him, hear his voice, and I promise you he will get you to where he wants you to be. All right? The way around, because the way around actually might be the way out. Do you understand that for Israel, the way to the promised land, the most direct route, was to go through the Philistine territory? But God said, no, I'm going to take you around in order to take you out. Man, if I could tell you the stories of the times I believe God has taken me around about way to get where he wants me. So we like a, how many of you like a direct path? Right? Just get me there. Let's go. Right? The way around is actually sometimes the way in. But what happens is we get locked in in our focus. That this is where God wants to take me. Therefore, this is how God. I mean, like, it's like Troy. He literally found that there's another way to the sound booth from here. He did not have to go around to get in. He literally could go straight back and get in. And he was there quicker and faster. And God still loves him. All I'm saying to you this morning is this. As you head into this year, you've, learned, you've already learned from this past year about how the ways that God can take you through crazy, wild, twisting journey of ups and downs, ins and outs and arounds, right? I mean, as a church, we've made more plans and canceled more plans this year than we've ever done before, right? Don't look for a way. Follow the way. And that way is a person. And he will speak to you and his presence abides in you. You see, because it's God's presence that literally marks the way. The angel that led them. The a cloud by day, the fire by night. All of those are things that are a manifest presence of God. 
that God's manifest presence, a cloud, a fire, and the angel of the Lord. That's God's presence among his people. Listen to me this morning, church. God has not taken his presence from his people. If anything, he's doubled down and put his presence within you. The spirit of God lives in you. He lives in you. And he will mark the way for you. The God who took you through 2020 will take you into 2021. And he will take you through 2021, no matter what it throws at us. Right? Who knows what? Listen. I remember in 2013, I was laying there thinking, I'm going to turn 50 this year. This was the beginning of the year. And I remember praying and saying, Lord, is this going to be like, is this going to be like, I'm 50. Are my best years ahead of me and my best years behind me? You know, what's it going to be like? Da, 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 da. I'm praying about it. And all of a sudden, 2013, all hell broke loose. Nick died. Had a couple other things happen physically. But let me tell you about my God. He took us through 2013. And he took us through 2014 and 15, and 16, and 17, because God is faithful. He's just faithful. And so you go through this, you go into the year with confidence, you come out of the year with confidence, that God will take you through. Now watch this. And so this it goes, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, God will certainly take care of you, and you shall carry my bones here with you. Then they set out from Sukkoth and camped in Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night. Man, it hit me one day. Look at this. God gave them such a presence that they could travel night and day. They did not only travel in the daytime, but they traveled at night. But it tells me this, God's presence doesn't change in changing circumstances. He's the same, whether it's light or it's dark. He's the same, whether there's rain or sun. He's the same, whether it's an up or a down moment in your life. God's presence does not change in changing circumstances, right? He doesn't change. The God of light is the God of dark. How many know he commands them both? How many know the Bible says that he's the one that put the sun, the moon, and the stars into the sky to govern the darkness and to mark seasons and times? That he is that God. What happens in our lives sometimes is we call upon him when it's dark, but we don't follow him when it's light. We cry out in the dark because the darkness scares us and the darkness surrounds us. And we say, God, get us out of this. And then the sun comes up. Man, glad you got me through that. I'll get, I'll get you next time I need you. God's presence never changes in your life. God's presence does not change when things are good. It does not get better when things are good. It is not more prominent when things are good. And he is not less prominent when things are bad. His presence does not diminish when you're going through a hard time. As a matter of fact, I would suggest that he wants to press in more so he can help you through the time. But his presence does not change. The Spirit of God does not leave us when things are bad and come when things are good. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from the presence of the people. He said, I didn't do that. He never, he never took 
his presence from his people. Hmm. Think about that. Jesus said what? I am with you. I am with you. The spirit of truth will abide in you, stay in you, dwell in you. You know, it's actually a terrible thing when the spirit doesn't leave us when we sin. Because how many know it's the very spirit who convicts us in our sin? Now, that's a good thing. But how many know you? How many know once the spirit of God dwells within you, how many know you can never go and sin like you once used to sin? Because you will now have conviction that you never had over sin. The moment you get saved and the Holy Spirit takes residence within you and the Spirit of God dwells within you, you will never, ever, ever, ever be able to go back and do the things you used to do without feeling the conviction of God's Spirit within you. It just can't happen. So watch this. So now this is just some preliminary stuff because i got another hour to preach. At least somebody's excited. God's presence led them out of Egypt. The pillar, the angel of the Lord, the cloud. Light it. They traveled day and night. That's what took them out. Now, if you were to fast forward in the book of Exodus, you get to chapter 23. In chapter 23, at the end of it, God talks about how he's going to give them conquest of the land. What land? The land that was promised. The Canaan land. Okay? The land that was promised to Abraham. Okay? Let me say this to you as I get into this. All right? Here's the the verse. Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Stop there. Let us understand something. When God makes a promise, God keeps his promise. God keeps his promise. Now, listen to me. You say, but I don't have a promise from God. Well, pick up your Bible. Pick up your Bible, read your Bible, read the promises of God, stand upon the promise of God, and believe that the God who makes the promise is the promise keeper. All right? Some of you don't have a promise because you're waiting for one to come on a billboard, and God ain't sending one on a billboard. He got one in his word, though. He'll, have, he'll give you something in your times when you meditate with him, when you sit in your, his presence, you hear his voice when you're attentive to him. But the fact of the matter is, some of us are looking, you're turning on the TV, and you're looking, you're looking for the next televangelist, tele, teleprophet, whoever. He wants to get a prophet off of you so you can get a word from the prophet. You got a prophetic word. Now, I'm not against prophets. I love prophets. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not against everybody on TV. Some of them need to go. All right, that being said, that being said, you want a promise and you want a prophetic word, pick up the Bible. Get into the word. Know the word. Know what it says. Know what it says about who you are in Christ. Know what it says about who you are, what God has promised to those who believe, what God has promised to the sons of God, the children of God, the people of God, the kingdom of God. Come on, it's full of it. It's full of it. You can't stand on a promise you don't know. You can't stand upon a prophetic word you don't know. God's word is rich. God's word is rich. He's a promise keeper. Watch this. I'm going to give you an angel. He's going to guard your way. And he's going to bring you into the place prepared. Be attentive to him. And obey his voice. Do not be rebellious towards him, for he will not pardon your rebellion, since my name is in him. But if you truly obey his voice and do all that I say... Then I will be an enemy to your enemies, and I will be an adversary to your adversary. 
I might have an adversary, but my God is my adversary's adversary. Come on. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the ites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. You ever wonder why they all end in ites? Hmm? All right, just thought. And I will completely destroy them. I'm going to steal a water from the worship team because I want to talk a long time. Let's look at this. First of all, God's presence shows us the way, guards us on the way, and takes us into a prepared place. We understand this morning, when I'm talking about God's presence right now, there will be times in your life where there was a manifest presence of God. How many of you have been, been in those moments where the presence of God was so thick it was manifest? That, that sometimes it comes in and there are signs and there are wonders and there are phenomena. All right? I will never forget the time. Micah, you remember this. And, and we were in um, Youngstown. And, 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 and Lindsay, you were there, but you guys didn't smell it. But Micah and Trevor and I and somebody else who was godly. All right? Uh, there, there was, there was a, a, an aroma that came about us that I have never smelled before or since. That I, in all my heart, believe it was the manifest presence of God. And it was so thick and it was so sweet and it was so amazing. And yet nobody else could smell it. Not even Troy, and he's a pretty good guy. But God's presence. So, so what I'm saying is, but that's not what I'm talking about, though. What I'm talking about is, how many of you know this morning the Bible says that Holy Spirit lives inside of us? Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He is God. He is not just the presence of God. He is the Spirit of God. He is part of the Trinity. He dwells within you, and the reason he dwells in you is to show you the way and to guard you on the way. Because how many know there are things on the way that want to trip you up? There are things on the way that want to destroy you. Listen to me. If you think following the way of God is easy and there's never any pitfalls and there's never any traps, you've never followed the way of God. Have you read about Israel? Have you read about what happened to them? Have you read the book of Acts to see what happened to his church? There are things that happen along the way. But it's God's presence that guards us. But how many know it doesn't just guard us from the outside? But how many know his presence guards us from the inside? When you want to deviate, when you want to turn left, when you want to turn right, or you want to turn back, or you want to step into sin, or you want to, how many know he is the guarding presence of that? So he says, okay, I'm going to give you my presence. And he's going to guard you, and he's going to take you in. And you shall not, when you get there, you shall not worship their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their deeds, but you shall utterly overthrow them, and you will break their memorial stones in pieces. How many know there's things in our lives we need to destroy? There are things in our lives we need to not allow to live as a memorial, as a memorial to evil or sin. Gideon comes out of the wine press, and the first task he was given was, you tear down daddy's altar to Baal. Tear that thing down, and you build a proper altar. You tear it down, get that stronghold out of your life, and what you do is you build something that worships me. You build something that worships me. And so God's telling them, when you go into this land, don't you worship their gods. Don't you serve them. And you shall serve 
the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, right? And I will remove sickness from your midst, and there'll be no one that miscarry or unable to have children in your land. I will fulfill the numbers of your days. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion all the people among whom you come, and I'll make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I have the same verse again, so that must be a, like, you know, you're supposed to really pay attention to that verse. All right, let's look at it. First of all, what we worship will bless us or curse us. What we worship will bless us or curse us. If you go into the land and you, and you worship the gods of the land, I will have my back, my face against you, number one. If you go into the land and you worship the gods of the land, they will curse you. Because how many know when you worship wickedness, wickedness will ultimately curse you? Why do we think we can worship the gods of the land and not be impacted by the gods of the land? Hmm? But he says, when you go into the land, don't you worship those gods of the land. Listen to me, church. We must understand we cannot get caught up into the gods of the world that we're living in. Right? Let us, let us not worship the political gods we're tempted to worship. Let us not worship the material gods that we are sometimes tempted to worship. Let us not worship, well, on and on we could go and give an illustration. Because when you begin to worship the gods of the land, you will ultimately end up cursed by the land. But God said, but when you go, you worship me and you serve me. Listen to me, it's interesting. Because who you serve will serve you. Who you serve will serve you. Think about this. And some of you aren't going to like the statement, but let me build on it. It's because it's not diminishing God whatsoever. Serving God causes God to serve us. God, okay? Let me back up. I like having a backup on this. Everybody else is saying, please, move forward. Watch this. And you shall serve the Lord your God. And because you're serving him, he will now serve your interest. He will bless your bread and he will bless your water. Listen to me. The God that I serve wants to serve me. Listen to me. I've got a question for you. How many of you parents in here, you're willing and wanting to serve your children for their benefit? Okay, I see the problem now. Yes, I see it. Now I know why your kids are like they are. It's your fault. I want to serve my kids as much as I can. You know, well, uh, Penny, Penny uh, back was in November, I forget when it was, Penny, uh, had, 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 because she works at the hospital, she had to be exposed to a patient, and she ended up coming down with COVID. We took her for the test. She got the test on a Monday morning, which means the rest of us had to quarantine. So we go to MedExpress. She gets her test. She gets her result. I take her home, and I went to Home Depot. Why? Because I needed wood. I needed quarantine projects. I can't be sitting in the house all day. And what I did was I began to work on Tony's side of the house to serve my daughter. And we put crown molding up. And we put the beautiful crown. And then we put, took out a fireplace and put a beautiful fireplace in. Why? Because I wanted to serve my kid. Why? Because she's nice. She loves me. Some days. But if she was a jerk all the time, I don't want to serve her. If she didn't honor me, if she didn't love me, come on, come on. 
You see, you got to understand something. Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but I come to serve, right? Understand something. It is not diminishing God when I say that when I serve him, he wants to serve my interest. He said, if you come into the land and you worship me and you serve me, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to bless your bread. I'm going to bless your water. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to throw into confusion the people among whom come you. I'm going to make all your enemies turn. I got your back. I'm going to serve you. I got a God that wants to serve me. That doesn't make him subservient to me. Can I get an amen? The problem is sometimes we so, want to be so spiritual and holy that we're afraid to say some things about God that God wants to say about himself or has already said about himself. He says, if you serve me, I'll serve you. I'll bless you. Right? Okay, hurry up, pastor. Move ahead. Who you serve will serve you. And you can never serve evil that is not self-serving in return. You can never serve. What did, what, did, what did Satan want in tempting Jesus to worship him? He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be God. He wanted what wasn't his. Who you serve will serve you. Serving God causes us, God, to serve us. And he says, and I will send hornets ahead of you so that they'll drive out the Hivites and the Canaanites and the Hittites from you. Let me say this. As you go into 2021, if you will serve God's interests, he will serve yours. If you will serve the interest of God, God will serve your interest. I will not drive... Oh, I love this verse. I love this one. This is a verse I've loved for years. Let me go over I will send the hornets ahead of you so that they'll drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites. Let me I'll stop there for a minute. It's like I said, hornets. What are those crazy hornets that we were supposed to get in 2021? Huh? Help me out. Murder. They were called murder hornets? <laughs> I didn't remember that part of it. Murder, murder. Murder hornets. <laughs> That's hilarious. I ain't, worried, I ain't afraid of no murder hornet. <laughs> God, I don't know what kind of hornets God sent, but he sent hornets to chase them people running. All right? Okay? How many know you don't like to be stung? He says, I'm going to send hornets ahead of you. I can understand armies, horses, hornets. This is wild. And I'm going to send all the, and all the ites you're going to leave. I will not, but listen to me, watch this. But I will not drive them out from you in a single year. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, excuse me? Listen, if you're going to get rid of them, get them all out of here at one time. Get them out. Get them out. But God says, I don't have to do that. So that the land will not become desolate and the animals of the field become too numerous for you. So God now it keeps his promise that they would one day possess the land. But isn't this funny? He now tells them, but it's going to be a progressive possession. Have any of you ever had progressive possession in your life? Where God has made a promise, and you could see it, but you totally never possessed it because there was a process to taking that promise. God says, if I drive them all out and kill them all at one time, the animals of the land now are going to kill you. And so what does God do? God says, I'm going to do this in a progression. 
So first of all, let us understand this, that sometimes in our life, there is a delayed possession because sometimes there is divine protection. There are things that God protects us from that we don't know that delays the fulfillment of something in our life. And, and the trick is, and Matroy and I were texting about this yesterday, the trick is, you see, because you got to understand, every time we see a delay of the promise of God in our life, who do we blame? The devil. And the devil this, the devil that, the devil this, the devil that, okay? Or we blame something else. When the fact of the matter, in this occasion, the delay was God. The delay was God's plan. The trick is, as Troy and I were talking yesterday in the text, is how do you know when the delay is God or the enemy or your own inactivity? Because how many know we can be inactive with the things of God and we're blaming God and it's us? And so I told him I really don't know. But I do know this. Here's what I have come to find out. I'm just telling you things I've learned. Most of the delays that I have hit as we have done things have been delays that have blessed us, not hurt us. But sometimes you don't know which is which until you get to the end of the road. Until you get to the end, you don't know if it was God or if it was something else. But what you have to do in the meantime is stand on the promise, continue to move, right? I'll tell you a story about this very building. I forget what year it was exactly, but the first time we tried to buy this building was in the early 2000s. It was up for bankruptcy sale. It was up for bankruptcy sale in Johnstown, and the board and I talked about it, and we said, we're going to go, and we want to bid at that bankruptcy sale. There's only two people at that bankruptcy sale, Dean Patterson and us, okay? I had authority to go up to 450000 at that time, and so I get up to 450000 They kept going. We're done. We're out, all right? I think this was 2005-ish, all right? Four or five. So we didn't get it. Kind of disappointed. Bummer. All right, whatever. Then in 2005, six, we started the 11th Street Project, which was over across town, 1.3 million, abandoned building. You know the story that you are here. All right. Amazing things that God did. The amazing journey that we took. Awesome. Pastor John's been there for 11 years, 10, 12, 11 years. All right. Hope Community, all the stuff that's going on over there, debt free over there. It's just awesome testimony. I don't think we would have done it had we bought this building when we went to the bankruptcy sale. But I didn't know that. So then we dedicated that building over there in 2009. In 2010, guess what building came up for sale? This one. I saw it on the market. It was listed for $459. We bought it for $459. But let me tell you the rest of it. We knew when we bid on it at the tax sale or the bankruptcy sale that there were underground storage tanks for fuel. We knew that. And we knew there had to be a cleanup. They spent $70,000, Dean Patterson did, in cleaning up all of the stuff outside. Let me tell you what happened. We went. We bid. We didn't get it. Okay, we went to 11th Street. We did that, did it debt-free, dedicated it in 09, came back in 010. This building comes back to us. We bought it, and we saved $61,000. Yeah, okay, so, so I'm saying to you that there are times in your life that there is a delayed possession of something, but that delayed possession is divine protection. Don't get overly frustrated. 
Because even if it is a, the, uh, even if it is a delay of the enemy, God will overcome the enemy. Stand the course, stay the course, stand in the promise, and you will ultimately take possession of whatever it is that God has promised. We don't like delayed possession. I hate it. I don't like, I want, I want to go, I want to move, I want to get her. You see, but the problem is, what you don't want to do is you don't want to blame the delay in the fulfillment of a promise on the enemy when it's God delaying it. God literally, in this context, the people of the land were the enemies of Israel, and the wild animals of the land were the enemies of Israel. But God was able to take and use the enemy against the enemy. Your enemy is sometimes the enemy of your enemy. Wow, how God does that. That God literally used the enemy of God's people against the enemies of God's people. God is an ultimate chess player, is he not? He can play chess with the best of them. Right? In 2021, this might be the year that some of you possess that thing that's been delayed. Right? And he says, I will drive them out from you little by little. Little by little until you become fruitful and you take possession of the land. So God says, I'm going to take you in. I'm going to send the hornets ahead of you. I'm going to give it to I'm not going to drive them all at once. And I'm going to give it to you little by little. But while I'm giving it to you little by little, you are to become fruitful. You're going to have children, sons and daughters. You're to grow. You are to mature. How many know growth leads to possess promises? Let me say this to you. Sometimes in our life, there are things that we never possess because we've never progressed. We have never matured in our faith. We've never matured from an elementary things that the Bible talks about in Hebrews. We've never progressed anything in our life. We said the sinner's prayer and we stopped. Not, we didn't culture how, learn how to listen to the voice of God, how to understand the Spirit of God. We won't get into the Word of God. We've stopped, and we won't mature, and we won't grow, and we're wondering why we don't possess things in our life, because some things of God are only for the mature. I'm not giving Liam the keys to the plow truck. Not only because Jamie fixed the brakes on it, I'm not sure about them, but just because. I'm not giving Liam the keys to the power truck. I'm not giving him the keys to the car. Why? Because he's not mature enough. He hasn't grown enough. And even if he comes of age and isn't mature enough, he's not getting the keys to the car. Listen to me, church. We've got to grow up as believers so we can possess the things God has for us. The purpose of salvation isn't to get to heaven. The purpose of salvation brings us into the kingdom. And we're living in the kingdom now. And we grow so in order to be an extension of his kingdom so that, here we go, here we go, here we go, everybody look over there, so that when we're lost, found, we grow and we go so that we can then love, bless, serve, and invest. Some of you aren't looking over there. I spent hours painting that wall. Look over there. <laughs> All right? Listen to me. This is, that's what we're to be. God didn't save you just so you can get to heaven and escape hell. 
And if that's your mentality, that's why you always be immature. That mentality will always create an immature believer. Growth leads to promise. Okay. And then he says, I will set your boundary from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates River, for I will hand over the inhabitants of the land to you, and you will drive them out from you. You shall make no covenant with them or their gods. They shall not live in your land. Otherwise, they will make you sin against me. Oh, man, get this. For if you serve their gods, it will be certain to be a snare to you. Do not make a covenant with the things God gives you victory over. God was giving them victory over the people of the land, and the people of the land were then making covenants with the God's people. God's people were making covenants over defeated things. And listen to me, there are times in our life where we have made covenant with sin. Jesus defeated sin on Calvary's cross, and sometimes we make a covenant with it. I know, I know, I know not you, I'm just talking about me. That we become one with it. God said, don't you make a covenant with them. I defeated them. Don't you make a covenant with them. I'm against them. Don't you make a covenant with them. They worship my, uh, my enemies. Don't you make a covenant. The things you make a covenant with will either become a blessing or a snare to you. And all the married people said, don't you say it. Come on. I won't beat around the bush. You, you make a covenant with the wrong person, how many know it's a nightmare? But how many know you make a covenant together with each other and a covenant with God? How many know that becomes a blessing? Stop making covenants with defeated things. Stop making a covenant with unbelief. Stop making covenants with negativity. Stop making a covenant with critical spirit. Stop making a covenant with lust. We make, we make covenant with things that God defeated. And we wonder why they become a snare to us. You see, with this whole passage, this whole thing, you see, God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an angel to take you out of Egypt. I'm going to give you a pillar of fire. I'm going to give you a cloud. And that's going to all lead you out of Egypt and will lead you across the Red Sea. But then when you get to chapter 23, he says, oh, by the way, I'm still giving you my presence. I'm going to give you an angel, and if you'll pay attention and you'll listen to him and you'll be attentive and you'll obey him, you will go in, and this is what I will do. Because the way in is the way out. The way out is now the way in. Because how many know it's all about following he who is the way? And I'll say to you today, while that passage says it was an angel, come on, Troy. While that one says it was an angel, I believe with all of my heart that God still uses angels to minister to people today. But, 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 number one, we do not worship them. Number two, we do not command them. But number three, we have someone greater than an angel who dwells within us. And he's the Holy Spirit of God. He's the comforter, the paraclete. The one who leads us, the one who speaks to us. The one who searches the deep things of God and makes them known to us. The one who intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. You see, if I can say anything to you, great, we're coming out of 2020. But I want to tell you something. The God that took us through 2020 is the one taking us into 21. The way out is the way in. And he is the one that takes us through. That if anything, we've got to be attentive to that presence 
who dwells within us. We've got to obey that presence who dwells within us. Stop making covenants with defeated things. And I'll promise you, no matter what 2020 throws at us, because <laughs> nobody saw their 2021. Because nobody saw what was coming in 2020. <laughs> so funny if you go back and look, we didn't get into this because, I don't know, I'm just kind of like, eh, yeah, whatever. whatever. Like everybody did a whole lot of sermons on 2020 vision. I didn't see any 2020 visions in account that had this in it. 2020 made such great, great it made such great, great preaching stuff last January. Our 2020 vision, this, 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 and this. Nobody had COVID in that. Nobody had murder hornets in it. <laughs> right. The only 2020 vision I got in my life was when I look backwards. <laughs> All right. Listen to me. The way out is the way in. But see, the bigger point is this. So many times in our life, we're looking for Jesus to be the way out of sin. Jesus to be the way out of trouble. Jesus to be the way out of hell. That's all true. He is that. But he also is the way into the fullness of God. The promises of God. Don't stop with just coming out. Pursue. Follow him into the fullness.